0: This is Emma Clark from the Brooklyn Public Library here with Phil Franco, longtime resident of the Williamsburg neighborhood. All right, so thank you for being here. Thank you. All. And why don't we start off by talking a little bit about your childhood in the area? You, know, you mentioned that you were born and raised here, have yes. a long history, your mother still lives in the neighborhood. So do you have any particularly vivid memories growing up here? Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, I was born here in 1975. I was born on Skillman Avenue, uh, where Well, I was born in the hospital, but my family lived on Skillman Avenue, where my mother still lives today. And um, I think a lot of the, the interesting points of growing up here really became clearer to myself and to my friends as we grew up and began to note the experiences of other people in different neighborhoods and how unique ours was. It was very unique to grow up in Italian Williamsburg. And the reason I say Italian Williamsburg is because Williamsburg is a very large place and there's many different enclaves of different ethnicities and groups and um the Italian section where we lived was very unique in that it was somewhat insular um I can tell you and my friends would definitely corroborate this everyone knew everyone um I grew up on a block where there were many children about my age um and basically, we grew up, it was almost like a growing up in a very tight-knit community where, you know, we would be in and out of each other's houses every day. Everyone knew everyone. You really couldn't get away with anything, per se. Uh, I mean, the, if uh, if I was home doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing, you could be certain that the neighbors um, would be talking to mom uh, and things like that. Um, there was a lot of outdoor activity, meaning that growing up, I guess that's cultural kind of everywhere these days because of video games and the internet. But we were constantly on the street and uh, playing ball or whatever under the Johnny pump or the fire hydrant, as (laughs) non-Brooklynites might say. Um, So I think the vivid memories really in general would be a very close-knit community. Um, Everyone either was related by blood or marriage. And, um, you know, there was a strong sense of camaraderie that lasts throughout life so that um, you could be certain that m- the vast majority of people who grew up together keep in touch. Um, There's a sense of family, which is actually a very cultural thing in its- for Italians. The neighborhood concept is something very unique for Italians. Um, even those who have moved away would still consider this their neighborhood. Um, so that's something that transcends just Williamsburg. It's a very cultural um, thing for Italians where... Especially southern Italians, the, fam- the family was the one unit that was trusted. And the neighborhood made up uh, like a network of families. Um, and that would be trusted far and above any government institution or anything like that. So we kind of took care of each other and um, were constantly together and really associated more with neighborhood and family than with any other uh, possible identification. So we were from the neighborhood would be a phrase that would be used frequently uh, and with a very specific meaning. Like if someone was from the neighborhood, it meant they were from mm-hmm. Italian Williamsburg, and they there was an immediate connection and immediate camaraderie there. Uh, so, um, More specific memories, I don't know if you're... Sure. Well, just um, let me give you an example. Uh, most of the people that I grew up with on the block... Uh, whether it was Skillman Avenue or for a while we lived on Jackson Street right here in the vicinity of this library um, every one of us continued to keep in touch whether it be through the internet or physically Or um, you almost exclusively married someone from the neighborhood uh, my wife grew up right across the street from the library actually uh, So, and as we got older and we began to kind of branch out and it was then that we began to realize that there was a certain insularity to it where you know, people who grew up in other areas sometimes don't understand the camaraderie and the connection and, um, and the real sense of identity with each other. I remember I worked with a woman who once said to me, you know, I grew up in Jackson Heights. She said, and if I met someone else from Jackson Heights, I probably wouldn't know who they were. And if I did, we would not be sitting around reminiscing about growing up in Jackson Heights. Whereas with Williamsburg, it's very unique. You would do that. You would immediately connect and you would immediately uh, uh, have a certain bond that even if you didn't necessarily know the person well, um, there's a strong sense of community there, Mm -hmm. which I think today in general is kind of lacking, whether it be here or anywhere else. Um, But for better or for worse, you kind of knew everyone's business on the block. And um, it was in general, it was very much uh, an open community in that. You know, people were in and out of each other's houses. We had block parties frequently. So no one was really an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe you didn't know the people a few blocks away, but there was still a connection there because they were from the neighborhood and you went to the school with them. And um, So what I see lacking now, just from my perspective, like where I live or even among the children in my school where I'm a principal, is that sense of connection and that sense of community. Um, I think that's partially cultural in terms of our popular culture. Uh, You know, kids today make play dates. There there was no such thing then. You just (laughs) rang somebody's bell and and you went in the house. And it was just expected. Um, Whereas today they'll they'll make appointments and they tend to be more inside. And I live in Queens now and I could honestly say we've really, we've been there for 11 years and, uh, really don't know the neighbors very well. I mean, maybe to say hello to. Uh, but although our children are growing up on that block, does it, we, my wife and I discuss a drastic difference in their neighborhood experience from what we had. Mm-hmm. So. Is your wife also Italian? Yes, my wife, is, um, my wife is also from the neighborhood here. She is Italian. Uh, she is half Nabledon and half Sicilian. So when my grandfather, who was from Naples, found out that she was Sicilian, he immediately told me to sleep with one eye open. He didn't. Oh, no. He didn't like. Uh, but by the time we he got to know her, he wound up lo- loving her very much. Um, so we actually met in the feast in, in Mount and it's kind of a typical Williamsburg story where we met in the neighborhood in the feast. We knew each other from a distance for years. Um, you know, I remember when she was like seven or eight years old, and uh, you know, I knew her parents before I knew her. So it's a very typical neighborhood type of situation um, and uh, yes yeah, she she grew up here as well although she went to a different grammar school her memories would be very similar and um, you know this particular block where we are right now is where she would hang out with her friends and um, just and she had a very similar experience although a few years younger although in a different school um, she would say the same about the neighborhood and the camaraderie and uh, everyone there's a lot of character to the neighborhood as well they were growing up uh, everyone had a nickname particularly the generations before us Um, you know the joke was that if you yelled out the word Anthony 500 people would turn around so most of the time people would have nicknames and usually they were colorful some of them I probably shouldn't repeat but um, it would give you you know uh, you would know who these people were and to this day I know them by their nicknames. And in some cases, there are people I've known for 40 years, and I don't know their first name. Um, so that was a, a part of the culture of the neighborhood as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that, that's really Has your neighbors ever catch you in trouble? Yeah, there was a few. <laughs> I mean, I was a relatively uh, calm uh, little boy. But, I mean, there was several times where, um, you know, my, I, my mom was a single mom. So if I happened to go home and my instruction was to do my homework immediately, but instead I was outside playing ball, there was no way around the fact that she was going to find that out. And she did find out many times because the... the kind of like the matriarchs of the block in the warmer weather would always be out watching us. And uh, for good, better or worse, they would tell mom everything that you did. So she would know if I didn't do my homework or something like that. I was, If I was just outside playing... Um, you know, she would know what time I went in to do the homework to try and do it before she got home. The general rule was, particularly in the summer, the general rule was once the street lights went on, you'd start hearing moms out the windows yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was making believe I didn't hear her, I wasn't going to get around that because <laughs> everyone else heard her. So yeah, there was a lot of that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember even in my younger days, like maybe eight or nine years old, where. I was not yet permitted to cross the street. And uh, if I did with my friends, you, she found out more than once that I did. So I was a scofflaw. <laughs> have most of your friends stayed in the area? Or um, when I think of the friends that I grew up with, it's about 50-50. There was a, over the last few years as we've gotten married and started to have children, most of us couldn't afford to remain in the area, which has really gentrified a lot. And the general trend was for people to move to Middle Village. Um, So there are a lot of people in Middle Village in my immediate vicinity who are from here. Mm -hmm. I would say about 50% stayed here, uh, particularly those who maybe they already owned the buildings or or they had an empty apartment in the mom's building. Um, So I do find myself here in the neighborhood pretty frequently to visit either my mom, my in-laws still live here on Devoe Street, not Devoe Street, (laughs) Um, and uh, so... I would say about 50% of the friends I grew up with still live in the neighborhood. Um, But even they will lament how quiet the block is. Uh, There's not many kids playing outside, and, uh, you know, the different changes that have taken place. And believe it or not, some of those matriarchs are still around, sitting, and now they're in their 80s. We thought they were old, you know, 25, (laughs) 30 years ago. Now they're in their 80s, but they still sit out on the block, and so there's still a percentage left. Yes, uh, Mount Carmel has kind of been a. Mount Carmel was founded in the 1800s for Italian immigrants. It was what at the time was called a national church, uh, meaning that it didn't have specific geographical boundaries. It was for a particular nationality. One of the reasons that was necessary was because in the United States, with all the different immigrant groups, um, different groups were not necessarily always welcome. So whereas the the local parish church may have been predominantly Irish, let's say, um, they really didn't want the Italians and their, you know, unique uh, Catholicism and their statues and their processions and their... uh, Italians have a very emotional, dramatic uh, expression of their religion, whereas the Irish culture would be a lot more somber. So national churches were founded. So growing up, we always went to Mount Carmel Church... um, which was always like a, because of that fact was always really central to the Italian community. There were some other Italian parishes in the area but Mount Cuomo was always particularly because of the famous feast was always very central. So I was an altar server there. I grew up there. Many of my friends went there either to the school or to the church. So it's been been there as part of my life since day one. Yes. you participate in the feast every year? Yes. Um, I, for a time I was on the executive board which is People talk about the Supreme Court, but being on the executive board of the feast is the highest honor anybody could be <laughs> appointed to. Um, I was the Turk. Um, actually, a while I was the Turk was when I, uh, um, in front of thousands of people, proposed to my wife, thinking that you know she couldn't say no in front of thousands <laughs> of people. Traffic. Yes. Um, because we had met in the feast and we had our first like uh, official conversation in the feast, our first date. Uh, I sprung to take her to the feast, which is free, and uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we both were volunteers there, and I thought it would be a good idea to, um, while I was, t- the Turk, it's it's difficult to explain, but the Turk is, uh, the pageant of, of the feast is the the Giglio, I don't know how much you know about that, it's, uh, the Giglio is a four-ton, 85-foot structure that's carried uh, through the feast, and it's a, it's a very beautiful pageant to see it's not something that you could really discuss it's something you'd have to witness to appreciate you know imagine the washington monument just bouncing down the street uh but it's accompanied by a boat that's almost as heavy and they're reenacting uh they're reenacting the ter- return of san paulino to his town of nola uh, and he was on a boat so that that's the reenactment and the people greeted him with giulio means lily in italian so the people greeted him with towers of lilies so every year, a man is chosen to to reenact the boat part, and he's the Turk. So that was my role that year, mm-hmm. and that's why I had the opportunity to publicly uh, propose. Mm-hmm. So that was my way of trapping her into saying it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And so your studies afterward, I know, were largely influenced by sort of looking into the history of the church in the area, Italian traditions, yeah. <clears throat> absolutely, yeah. Right. Well, the neighborhood, as I got older and things began to change in the neighborhood and we began to, all of us, I think, began to interact more with people from other parts of the neighborhood, which for us seemed like other nations, um, we began to realize how unique our experience was, uh, at least for someone growing up in the 1980s. You know, maybe people in the 40s and 50s had unique, those similar experiences, but our neighborhood was kind of old-fashioned even in the 80s and 90s. Um, so I was very interested in studying that and appreciating it more and as things started to change, uh, I guess it brings you to a greater appreciation of what you had. Um, so when I went to Fordham and I was throwing around different ideas with my mentor, uh, he said, you know, you usually wind up your dissertation, you wind up writing about like yourself in, in some way, shape, or form. And... Uh, we began. We got to talking about the feast, the uh, uh, Mount Carmel's feast, and how it was really a magnet for the young men in the area, the young people. And um, Mount Carmel was unique in that you would have a lot of men involved in the parish. Culturally, Italian men generally are not involved in religion, but one of the reasons for that I felt was the feast. So I studied Italian American popular religion. Um, And the way in which it kind of incorporates young people into the church and into the Catholic culture. and That wound up being my dissertation because of that. And it's really that popular religion, meaning things like the feast, things that the people do that are not necessarily coming from the institutional church. Um, That's very unique to Italian uh, Catholicism. And it's one of the reasons we wound up with our own national churches some of the more traditional groups like the Irish they wanted no part of that and they didn't like the processions and the you know very drama and the fireworks and the the julio and so that's how we wound up with our own places mm-hmm. did you discover or realize anything in your research in the process of compiling the dissertation that was surprising or mm-hmm. you know, particularly interesting well one of the things that was surprising was as we interviewed um, interviewed about 100 young men particularly women as well but mostly the majority of them were men who at different age levels have been involved in the parish and the feast and uh, their experience of the feast really regardless of the hierarchy of where they list it is what um, has been uh, essential in making them part of the church in other words um, you know they identify themselves as catholics as italian catholics and there's a certain level of pride there and a certain level of religious practice. It doesn't necessarily mean they're devout, but it usually stems from their involvement in the popular religion, in the feast, more so than going to a Catholic school or more so than you know, religious education classes. Uh, it was their socialization into the faith through the feast that really affected their lives. And it built bonds and helped build the neighborhood sense of camaraderie and community that probably helped um, make the neighborhood what it was uh, in the sense that, like my previously mentioned friend who said, you know, I grew up in Jackson Heights and she just doesn't see that camaraderie. That, that So I think the feast has been a very big part of that. Most of them return, even if they've moved to Queens or Long Island, at least to be involved in the feast, if not every Sunday. Um, and I think in many ways that was kind of the glue that made the camaraderie and the, that held the neighborhood together for many years. Am I doing okay? <laughs> I don't know great. if I should talk to you or that. Or I no, it's uh, fine. <laughs> uh, so I know that you're studying to become a deacon. Now. Yes. How did you decide to do that and to do it with the Monsignor at the church? Well, it's, it's interesting. Everyone asks me that because the joke in the diocese among all the priests is, if you live in Queens, why are you studying yeah. from Mount Carmel? <laughs> um, well, when I was younger, I seriously considered becoming a priest. A lot of the priests in the neighborhood um, were very influential in my life. I grew up basically without a dad, and um, the priests in Mount Carmel were, particularly when I was a kid, the pastor was a huge figure in the neighborhood. Um, It was very traditional, going back to what we were discussing before, where if someone in the neighborhood had a problem, being of that Southern Italian culture, you, you didn't go to the psychiatrist, you didn't go to the police, you didn't go to... Uh, you know, you went to the priest, and he was very much a father figure to the neighborhood. So as a young uh, student, I seriously was considering becoming a priest, even into college. Um, and then I met my wife, and she seduced me. and <laughs> oh yeah. So I decided not to become a priest, but I still felt that strong call to be um, involved in the church and be active and try to do, you know, a little bit more than... Um, you know, the average involvement. It was something I always felt a strong call to do. And deacons can be married. So uh, as time went on, I was discerning if maybe that was what I should be doing. And um, because of our connection to the neighborhood, my wife and I and now my three children, we always continue to come back here on Sundays to serve, to be at Mass. And um, First of all, because of that family camaraderie that we were talking about, and also because our families still live here. So you're coming on Sunday for the pasta anyway. Um, That's still a big deal in the neighborhood here. Um, So I asked Mount Carmel to sponsor me, even though I lived in the geographical boundaries of another parish in Queens. And uh, so far, everybody's been okay with that. The bishop gave his okay. So God willing, I would be once I'm ordained in May, I would be assigned to Mount Carmel. Uh, it 's a long process, a very good one uh, it 's it's a five year process because I already had the doctorate in theology. they did skip me some of the classes because I was actually i taught some of those courses, <laughs> so they were like you don 't have to take those yeah so for me it 's been a three year program and uh, it's there's days where it 's intense there 's a two nights a week class, one Saturday a month, several retreats required per year um, it's been a very positive experience, it's a great great class I'm with, uh, a lot of great guys, we we carpool together. Mm-hmm. Um, through each step of the process, the church requires that you have, and this is the word they use, you have to have your wife's permission. So she has to give permission for you to join the program, she has to give, permission. yeah, so for the last three years I've been really nice to my wife, trying to make sure that she, uh, and then come the day of ordination, the week before, uh, she has to meet with the bishop and she has to say that this is not hurt the marriage or anything like that and she has to sign her permission again so that's been a good bonding experience there's, there's some things that the wives have to go to as well, retreats and things And uh, but for the most part it's it's the guys that go on the, the classes and retreats I think it's helped me and I, I love the experience of working in Williamsburg um, you know, to I'm bringing it's interesting because as a deacon you're usually involved in the parish where you live and grew up so I'm bringing today, for example, I'm bringing ashes to people that remember me when I was in diapers. And sometimes that could be a good thing. <laughs> or sometimes you're giving ashes to someone and they're like, remember the time you broke my window with the, <laughs> with the baseball. Um, so that, that's a nice I'm, My mom lives across the street from the church. I'm bringing her ashes today because she recently had hip surgery. So it's a nice experience. It's kind of like a, a homecoming in a sense to work with people that you knew. But then there's also a great opportunity as the neighborhood changes to try and reach out to newer people and let them know they're welcome and let them know that there is a place here for them. And um, So you want to balance the two. So I, that's been a great experience so far. And I'm going to segue a little bit into the nature of the changes in the neighborhood right. from your perspective. But to lead into that, you were, you were talking earlier about um, some things the church has been doing to reach out to mm. the newer population. Right. Sure. Um, I can only speak specifically to Mount Carmel, really. Uh, I know a number of the local churches are trying in different ways to reach out. Um, Mount Carmel, which has trying to balance, really, really trying to balance the traditional Italian, you know, identity that we have, but also at the same time, let people know they're welcome. Um, As the neighborhood began to change, especially in the 90s, you know, the, the first wave of Uh, Changes, a lot of artists were coming in, so we've tried to do things that might appeal to them. Um, We've allowed, uh, the pastor has allowed anything from comic book shows to um, displaying of art that people made. Um, There is a theater company now that the parish has that has put on some excellent productions. Uh, And quality stuff. I mean, they, they don't just get like the local kid who wants to be in a play. I mean, they really do auditions, and they've done some quality things. Um, just to try and let people know that they're welcome. And uh, one of the things that I've been doing uh, is a, what's called a theology on tap. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically you have a talk about a particular topic in religion, but at a local bar. Okay. And one of, the, one of the things that Williamsburg does not lack is bars. <laughs> so I had to make the sacrifice and sample each bar, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, it was difficult. It was tough. <laughs> And, uh, you know, some of them are very open. They give us the back room, and um, it's, it's a national program, and it's not something that Brooklyn came up with, but uh, it actually originated in Chicago. But that's been pretty successful in letting people know that they're welcome. We have a Sunday night mass now to appeal to the people who might not be up early on a Sunday. And uh, that's been working out pretty well. So you do see a lot of new faces in the church, and um, basically just to be both welcoming and inviting inviting in the sense that not just wait for people to come to you but you know let them know that they're invited to come in and look at things and I think personally the theology on tap the um, the different uh, uh, productions that have been put on I think those have been successful in letting people at least know that we're not adversarial you know there's so many new people in the neighborhood with many of them may or may not have a Catholic background may have, they may not be particularly religious but it's just a sense of letting them know that you know we're here for you and we're, you're welcome I think Mount Carmel has done a good job of trying to balance the two you know to be a traditional Italian welcoming place in terms of the feast and uh, we still have Italian mass on Sunday there is still a decent population of Italian speakers who come to that mass but at the same time trying to show everybody that they could be part of the place so, and I believe the feast is a tremendous way of doing that because you have thousands of people who are just walking through to see what it's about and make them feel welcome and invite them in. So. And more generally speaking, what are the changes that you've noticed? Um, well, I would say that there's been many changes, uh, some good, some not so good. The, the, um, just generally speaking, the population has obviously increased tremendously. When we were growing up, um, my friends and I sometimes, and I, I hate to say this, but sometimes we would be hesitant to say we were from Williamsburg because people associated Williamsburg with the South Side, which had a lot of gang activity and drug problems. We, when we went to high school, I remember my friends discussing the fact that people didn't know what Williamsburg was. We had absolutely no chain stores of any kind in Williamsburg. There was no Burger King, McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks nothing it was kind of like people didn't know we were here and um for the most part we didn't mind that we were insular we we liked our neighborhood we liked being together and um so therefore sometimes we would tell people we were from greenpoint (laughs) because we border the italian section of williamsburg bordered on greenpoint and people generally had a better view of greenpoint or they at least heard of it um But now the change is—it's become trendy. It's one train stop from Manhattan. The property values have more than quadrupled. Um, And now it's a trendy, popular thing to say you're from Williamsburg. And um, the joke that we have is that we knew it was cool before anyone else realized it. But, you know, the population has changed drastically. I think one thing that's been lost, it's good to have the increased value real estate-wise. It's good to... um, you know, the, the neighborhood, I mean, the crime was never really a problem, but that really hasn't changed either. Um, it's a lot more difficult to park <laughs> than it ever was before. And uh, But I think one thing that's kind of been lost because of the population explosion has been like that sense of community and camaraderie. Um, now I look at the block I grew up on, I at least half the people I don't know um, people kind of keep to themselves. Uh, so it's not all bad, but you definitely lose that sense of community and neighborhood. It, it, there is a certain anonymity that's come out of it, almost similar to like a big part of Manhattan or something. Um, so that, and my mom would say that the bar on her corner, which plays music till 2 a.m., is not good either. But um, So I, I think that sense of community maybe is being lost a little bit. So. Is there anything that's been preserved in particular? Yeah, I think there's still a remnant of Italian-Americans. Um, I think many of the, I don't even know, sometimes they're called hipsters. I, I don't know. I don't want to say anything terrible, insulting, but many of them seem to have a nice, uh, genuine curiosity about the traditions of the neighborhood. I really haven't come across any animosity from them. Um, The feast, thank God, has been preserved and continues to do well. We have some very famous Italian restaurants like Bamanti's that continue to flourish. Um, so I, I think things have been preserved, especially in regard to the churches and the feast. Um, it's still a huge tourist attraction. We get approximately, last year's estimate was over 25,000 people during the course of the festival, not, not necessarily at one time, but at least 25,000, um, on the day of the Giglio we get almost 15, 10 to 15,000 depending on the weather. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a big day. So I think that has been preserved and hopefully will continue to be. Um, and like I said, there's been a, a genuine friendliness, I guess, uh, gen- they, they like the, the quaintness of it, the artistry, the... The Giulio is a wonderful example of folk art uh, for Italian culture. So that's something that they, the new people tend to be interested in. And uh, In fact, the Brooklyn Arts Council did something about our folk art and the manner in which the Giulio is constructed. Um, so that's been good. And uh, yeah, I think those things have been retained and probably will be. Uh, but there's, it, the parishes have become commuter parishes in the sense that as I look around Mount Carmel, like on a Sunday, probably a quarter of us are driving in from Middle Village or Glendale or Maspeth, different parts of Queens, which are not far away, but it's not the same. You know? so, so. Is there anything else you'd like to add about what we've talked about? Um, no, I, just, I just think it's, it's very difficult to express in words the uniqueness of what it was to grow up in Italian Williamsburg. Um, It was about a century's worth of, you know, immigrants here from, particularly from the turn of the century in the 20th century. And uh, one of the most unique things, there is a Facebook group called The Neighborhood. And it's basically people reminiscing about growing up in Italian Williamsburg. And they have different political viewpoints. They have different ages. They have different experiences. But the most unanimous aspect of it the thing that unites all of them there's over 2,000 members on the page is the uniqueness of growing up here and uh positiveness you know it, it was just a wonderful experience that they would not give up if someone said to me you know you could do it all over again and grow up in a very rich wealthy neighborhood in a mansion or i wouldn't I wouldn't change it. I mean, the friends that I grew up with, uh, they're still here with me. And I wouldn't want to have any other experience as a child. And, um, you know, there was just a sense of safety, a sense of connection, uh, really a sense of family, I think, that's probably lacking in the average neighborhood today, anywhere you go. So uh, there are still Italian enclaves, but even they have become more modernized and individualized and I think we were very lucky, at least my generation, to be probably the last to grow up in Italian Williamsburg, where even my children won't see that beautiful connection to others, and um, at least not the same way we did. Um, Maybe they see it during the feast, but it's something I would never give up. I think it was very formative, uh, more so than any formal education, just that even today, I mean, we just, people stick together from Williamsburg, and if the joke I am a principal now in a Queens um school and it's in Middle Village and the joke is you know so who did you hire this week from Williamsburg (laughs) you know so uh it's kind of that that loyalty to each other and trying to help each other out and uh, that automatic connection And, and I almost feel bad for my kids because they're not getting that same neighborhood experience that we had um just babbling now, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time out. My pleasure. Thank you.